In the late 1990s, there was a, a movement, a worldwide movement, and this movement had a petition attached to it, and it got a record for the number of people sign a petition. It was back in the days when petitions were actually signed on a piece of paper, right? And there were 21 million people who signed this petition. Pretty impressive. Made a record for the number of people to sign a petition. And the petition was to get the countries that had a lot of money to forego the debts of the countries that had very little money. So the poor countries in the world had to try and operate and function and to to live and progress. They borrowed money. And to them, these debts were were such a burden. It, It crippled them. They had to pay back the debts with interest. And to them, it was massive. But to these massive countries, these debts weren't actually big numbers to them. They worked in numbers with more zeros than the poor countries. And so, so they, they petitioned the countries that were owed the debts to cancel them. And in the year 2000 was the, was the completion of this project. And they called it the year of Jubilee. And what happened was there were 35 poor countries that had their debts cancelled. $100 billion of debt wiped off, no longer owed. It was debts that they'd signed and agreed to. It wasn't like someone was, was holding a gun to the head and said, you've got to do this. They actually agreed to this, but it was a debt that was, was a burden to their communities. And $100 billion of debt was wiped out. Amazing. Amazing. The word redeem means to free from what distresses or harms. To redeem, to free from what distresses or harms. And these 35 countries were redeemed from their debt. It stressed them out. It harmed them as a community. They'd agreed to it, but it still was hard work for them. This this month, we've been looking at covenant. We've been looking at the covenants that God makes with people. And every single one of God's covenants has built into it redemption. Redemption, freeing from what stresses or harms. Every single one of them. So we live post-Jesus under the new covenant, as it's referred to in the New Testament. And so you go, well, what's the stress and the harm that the new covenant has to save us from? What is it actually saving us from? And there's a bunch of things. But I want to point out today and work through some stuff. I'm going to jump to a whole bunch of passages. So if you're really good at following along in the Bible, go for it. Otherwise, I'm going to have it up on the screen so that you can follow along. Um, just, yeah, so you don't have to get distracted. But you are welcome to, to write notes. People can't be trusted. You're like, hang on a minute. Some people, not everybody, nobody can be trusted. I'm sorry to disappoint you if that offends you. But nobody can be trusted. In fact, we all inherently in our flesh carry a a number of fears, but two of them are the fear of not being safe from other people and the fear of not being in relationship 
with other people. We actually carry those two fears. And part of the reason we carry those fears is because we're not always safe to other people and we're not always perfect in relationship with other people. So it's not just them. We actually carry those fears because we're actually a little bit flawed ourselves. And so what we've done is we've decided we've got a solution for this. There's a, there's a solution to, to these fears, to this fact that we can't trust people. We need some rules. We've got to have some rules to help us all be safe and, and know what relationship is, to dress appropriately for the circumstance. Other things, there's a whole heap of rules. There's some are written, some are not written, but there's a whole heap of rules to help us do that. The problem is, who made the rules? Oh, hang on. Do we trust them? What was their agenda? What was their motive? Might have been good, but it wasn't perfect. And you know what? The people following the rules don't always follow them well. The people that make them don't always make them well. Rules fail. They always do. They always have. And guess what? We can't trust people as a result. We have a problem. We're in this cycle. I want to just explain some rules. This is, uh, Victoria does have some, some funny rules. Western Australia has some funnier rules. Check this out. Um, young people, if you go to Western Australia, do not challenge anyone to a duel. It is illegal in Western Australia with a maximum punishment of $6,000 or two years imprisonment. So don't challenge someone to a duel. Also, do not clean up seabird or bat poo without a license because you can be jailed for up to a year for cleaning up seabird or bat poo without a license in Western Australia. It is an offence to make a sign that offers a reward for the return of stolen or lost property if you promise not to ask, for que ask questions. So if you say, I'm not going to ask any questions about what, how it happened, it's actually illegal to ask, put up a reward sign. It is illegal to carry a weapon in most circumstances, that's most states, but in WA, a lawful excuse exists for electrified briefcases. Now, I don't understand whether that means if you've got your weapon in an electrified briefcase, it's okay, or if you happen to be carrying an electrified briefcase, you can carry a weapon because what's in there must be important. I don't know, but there's an exemption for people who have electrified briefcases in Western Australia. And the last one is it is an offence to be in the possession of more than 50 kilograms of potatoes in Western Australia. Unless you have purchased the potatoes from a grower or retailer authorised by the Potato Corporation. I am not joking, this is real, right? There clearly is some illegal potato selling operations going on in WA that they needed to clamp down with. And so, um, so yeah, so there was some contraband potatoes being, I don't know. People can't be trusted. We say that's crazy. There's some farmers in WA that are going, that's a great rule. Just, just keep it under control. People can't be trusted. You know what? We don't actually trust each other. At the, when it comes to the core of it, there is this little reservation in us that goes, ah, I trust them a bit, but not totally. 
And any rule you suggest to me, I'm going to question because I don't know your motive quite. Hand up if you've got a driver's license. Keep your hand up if you've ever deliberately gone over a speed limit, ever. So now the question I have is, my hand's up too, did you think the speed limit was wrong? Did you think you were better than the speed limit? Did you think, like, it didn't work? The rule didn't work? All of the above? You thought you were better than the rule. You thought the rule didn't apply to you in that circumstance, or you could just... It's just a perfectly simple example that we actually all do this. We have rules. We break rules. We don't think the rule maker made the right decision. We're left with a mess. And I'm here to tell you, we need to be redeemed. We are in a terrible pattern lifestyle scenario where when people rule people, it is broken. It is broken. But the good news is the new covenant is the redemption of our failings, of our weaknesses, of our fact that we can't do life together. I want to read from, uh, from Hebrews 8, uh, starting at verse 6. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is, as much more, that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. It's better than the old covenants. Better promises in the new covenant than the old covenant. Better deal. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. We actually needed a new covenant. The old covenant had a function. What God set up with the Jewish people was good, but it was flawed for one very big reason. It involved people. God's side of the deal, he kept his side of the deal, but the new covenant is actually better than the old covenant because the mediator, Jesus, has stepped in and and done something phenomenal. And I'm going to step through a few things, but we're going to land in the place of looking at what it means to a bunch of people that are afraid of each other. But let's start with some fundamentals about this new covenant. Firstly, it is available to all people. In Galatians 3, we read, So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came. This is the old covenant. In order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come... We are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring heirs according to promise. So part of this new covenant is that it is available to everybody. Every single person you know. There is no status, there is no criteria, there is no culture, there is no um, gender, there is nothing that divides the opportunity, the invitation to be part of this new covenant. And this is really, really important. 
There is no barrier. Our laws often say who's in and out. God says this covenant is available to all. Really, really significant. If anyone ever tells you they don't count, that God doesn't care about them, if anyone tells you that I'm sure God has good things in store for somebody else but not me, please save them. Please rescue their thought life. Please speak truth into their scenario because that is not how God operates. This new covenant is available to everyone and Jesus is the proof of that. He smashed any idea that there was an exclusive group of people that can get to know God. It is available to everyone. But it gets better. That's a good start. This is a covenant of grace and not law. The old covenant was a covenant of law. It was a covenant of rules that that defined what success looked like. There are a bunch of rules, and, and this is where the Israelite people failed because they didn't meet the rules. They couldn't keep up with the rules. And so they broke their side of the covenant. But it says in Romans 6.14, For sin will have no dominion, no power or authority over you, since you are not under law but under grace. The new covenant is a covenant of grace. The old covenant was a covenant of law. John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amazing. This covenant is not actually earned. It's not our performance that meant we're eligible for the covenant. In fact, it's the opposite. Because grace means an undeserved gift. So even when it wasn't deserved, it was given. Sin has no power over you. You and I know that people let each other down. We know that. And yet that does not change the new covenant. That's that's an amazing key to understanding what, what God offers the world, what through Jesus is offered to everybody in this new covenant. Because people's sense of failure and people's sense of fear of other people's failure is not part of the equation in this covenant because it's given freely even though it's undeserved. Hebrews 9.15 says, Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, being Jesus, he, he being Jesus, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions, the sins, committed under the first covenant. It can't be any clearer that what looked like failure under the law is not a measure under the covenant of grace. What was deserved based on our failings, we've been rescued from those. So that's the groundwork. Now I want to get to the good stuff. That's good already, isn't it? But, but I guess for me, this is very much church language. 
It's available to all people and it's grace, not law. People who understand scripture get those ideas. But what does it mean for people who live in our society? They don't live under the Jewish law, mostly. Jews do, but most of our society don't. They get to belong at the local footy club, cricket club. What's, what's so special about it being available to all people, not just the Israelites? Those two things in and of themselves aren't particularly exciting. And yet I'm convinced that this new covenant is exciting and relevant and mind-blowing for our whole society. And I'm convinced that we need to be convinced that we need to believe to walk out and to share this new covenant with people because it is the only way, the only hope that people have of living a life outside of the rat race, outside of the cycle of not trusting, putting rules in place, failing, not trusting, putting rules in place, failing. Our world is continually doing that over and over, hoping for something that is never coming. It is never coming. And so I'm convinced this new covenant is actually really, really exciting news for our community. Through this new covenant, we have a way out of that vicious cycle. The, um, the prophet Ezekiel, actually 590 years before Jesus, told the people what was coming. And this is, this is what he said. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. A stone one representing a dead one and a flesh one representing an alive one. Yeah, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my just decrees. That's Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. So he's letting people know what's coming. And he's actually prophesying about what Jesus was going to introduce. A new heart and a spirit that dwells with you. A new heart, alive, not dead. And God's spirit to lead us in his ways. Can you see the the link between the the rat race, the, the cycle that people are stuck in, and what God is offering here? Because we do need help. We desperately need help. But the thing is, every time a human brings a rule to you, you don't trust them. You need someone who gives good rules. Rules that actually are not only fair, but they're actually for our benefit. And there is only one that can do that. The creator has a framework for the design of the universe. He has has a concept, a dream. He created because he was creative, but because he loved. And if he loves, then he actually has a plan that's good, that's pleasing, that's perfect. 
as it says in Romans, his will is good and pleasing and perfect. And there is nobody else that can come up with a rule system that's going to match because they're flawed. So he offers this rule system that's great. But that was under the old covenant as well. He had a great rule system then. The problem was people were not able to embrace it. And so under this new covenant, he goes way, way above. He has this this covenant of grace, but then he says, you know what? I'm going to change your heart. And I'm going to give you my spirit, the spirit of the living God, who, who is the author of these rules, to coach you and prepare you and equip you and lead you in these rules. I'm not going to leave you on your own to try and follow them and mess them up and feel bad about yourself and then try to follow them again and then blame the other person for why the rules and then you make up your own and the way we operate normally. It's going, I've got a new opportunity for you. I've got an exciting opportunity for you to to not only have the blueprint of what the fullness of life looks like, but I'm going to partner with you to experience that. I'm going to give you a new heart and a spirit, a living spirit, the author of those rules to live that out. Now, I reckon that's pretty exciting. One of the fears that we have is not belonging. We fear not fitting in, looking the right way that people will accept us. And you know why we do that? Why we have that fear? Because you know that you judge people based on the way they look. That all goes out the window. It's gone. It's not a problem in the new covenant. Finished, poof, all dealt with. We're under a covenant of grace where all, all are invited to experience it. My measure of success is not what you think of me anymore. Wow. Your measure of success is not what I think of you. Just soak in that for a second. This is not a message that the world can hear that we, haven't, that we, we need to hear first. We need to hear that fear is not part of the new covenant. If you're afraid of what people think of you, if you're afraid for your safety, if you're afraid um, for your future, those fears are not part of the new covenant. And, And if people in the church struggle with those fears, imagine what the world's minds and hearts are going through right now outside of this beautiful covenant. That's tough. But I want us to understand and embrace a redeeming covenant first. Are you free from fear? 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love. Where's perfect love? What's what's that referring to? God. This is not us. This is God. Perfect love casts out fear. It casts it out. It gets rid of it. For fear has to do with punishment. Doing the right and wrong things. We're back in the rat race. We're back in that cycle of trying to, trying to do the right thing and failing and coming up with rules. And try. That's where fear exists. It exists in our society rampantly. 
because that's all people know. And yet, whoever has fear has not been perfected in love. They're not living and experiencing the new covenant of a beautiful set of rules for abundant life from the only one that can create boundaries and rules for it. And a God that walks and holds our hand to to, to live it out. This is the new covenant. This is the good news. What do you fear? What's holding you back? Because Jesus said, John 10.10, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This message, I want you to believe, I want you to walk out, and I want you to share it. Because this is what we have to offer our world. What are you afraid of? I'm always reluctant at this point to name things because people think that I'm talking about them. I I am. (laughs) But not you specifically. But us collectively have fear. Some people fear broken relationship. They fear that people will reject them. I can tell you one that will never reject you. I can tell you a place where you belong eternally. Where you don't just get invited in as a guest, you get called a son or a daughter. You belong like family. Not just like family, you are family. You're adopted as family. You do not have to fear rejection ever again. Sure, the world might reject you. Sure, people in the world, we we know that. But we're not living under the world's covenant. We're living under a new covenant. And it's a covenant where you will never, ever, ever, ever be rejected. So if you dress to be accepted, you're free from that. Because you're accepted no matter what you wear. Doesn't mean you have to come in shorts and bare feet, by the way, to impress me. Because who cares what Matt thinks? Like, really? Who cares what Matt thinks? Because either Matt's running the old system and he's flawed, or he's under the new covenant and he's free from it too. So there's two pictures we can follow. We can follow the, the, the old system of being stuck and trapped with no way out, or we can let go of it. And you know what? Maybe Matt does need to to let go of some of his thinking too about how he looks at people and judges people and measures them based on their performance because that's the old system. That's That's not the new covenant. I'm going to finish by sharing a story, a personal story, because... I have experienced the grace, the blessing, the freedom of the new covenant over and over and over and over again. 
I'm not perfect. And I waver. There's days where, where, where I have to remind myself and where the Spirit very gently and graciously and sometimes with a whack across the back of the head reminds me of what covenant I, I've chosen to follow. And I appreciate that. I love that because in my own strength, I, I can't do it. I was never designed to do it in my own strength. And so I really value and appreciate the beautiful, subtle things and the not-so-subtle things that the Spirit does in my life to help me. But in the mix of that, there's some amazing, amazing things that day by day living under the new covenant means. A number of years ago, a very many number of years ago, I started working for a guy called Andy. Now, I knew Andy from a previous place that I'd worked. And Andy was working on his own, and he was struggling because there was a whole skill set that he needed to operate his business that he didn't have. And, and he was hoping that I was the answer to that skill set. And so I came in, and I worked with Andy, and, and he really loved what I did. He, I was such a relief to him. And yet, as the months went on, I could see the fear in his eyes. I could see the fear in his eyes, and he'd say, oh, let's go out and catch up. And one day we went kayaking in the bay together, and he was like, just, I just want to debrief and see how you're doing. But in these conversations, I could see he was paranoid about me leaving. He was really, really scared because he desperately needed that skill set. I fulfilled those skills. And so the thought of not having those skills was really, really crippling for him. I could see it. He, just every week he'd go, how are you doing? Is work okay? Is it, you know, is there anything, you know, that's not right? You feeling all right about things? I was like, poor guy. So I said to him, Andy, I'm going to make a commitment to you. If I decide that this is not the place for me to work, you'll be the second person to know. Tanya will be the first, my wife, and then you'll be the second. Now, that's culturally doesn't fit into the rat race, right? Because when someone says something, what's in it for them? How's this work? It was a genuine act of trying to save his fear. Oh, probably for about the next five years, he, he still had that fear. Um, but as he got to know me better, he, I, I think he realised that I was genuine when I said that. That wasn't trying to, you know how you say, no worries, I'll tell you that, and then you go and organise another job and disappear all of a sudden one day. Lots of people do that. Um, but I think over time he slowly realised that I was genuine when I said that. Then one November, 12 years later, I felt prompted by the Spirit to resign. I'd been his right-hand man for 12 years. And I'd reached the point where I felt prompted that it was time to finish the season. And I was like, wow, I don't know how this is going to go. We know each other really well. He knows I live under a different, he wouldn't know it to call the new covenant, 
but I live under a different set of rules to, to others. And he really valued me for things that he didn't actually understand necessarily. But I was like, how's this going to go? Is God going to get rejected? Am I going to get rejected? Is he going to feel like I've, I've deserted him and disowned him? I was still in the same, same um, in his mind, position of, of fulfilling something that I knew he could get elsewhere, but he was leaning on me for that. But in the space, I, I got counsel, I prayed about it, I talked to, talked to Tanya and others. And I felt like God said to me to tell him that I needed to be redundant, um, obsolete, in eight months' time. And I said, but God, I don't know what I'm doing in eight months' time. I don't know what you've got planned for me in eight months' time. So I'm going to look like a goose saying, by the way, I'm finishing working here. You've got to come up with a backup plan, an alternative. I'm happy to leave earlier than eight months, but you've got up to eight months to, uh, to kind, of, kind of replace me. And in eight months' time, I'm not going to be here. But I don't know what I'm doing. So that was a hard conversation. And he, he grieved, and, and relationally, I, I worked really hard at making him know that I wasn't rejecting him as a person. Leaving wasn't part of that. But the model that the Spirit gave me was phenomenal. I would never have dreamt up an idea of saying, I'll give you eight months. Not part of the rat race. It's not part of the rule system. My contract said I had to give him much less than eight months. But the spirit is so good. He floundered for about three months, a bit disillusioned, a bit discouraged. I didn't leave him. I kept going. I said eight months, I'll stick it out at eight months. He found a replacement, Matt 2.0. name wasn't Matt, but he was better than Matt. I'm not joking. Oh, this guy was great. He was good. And Matt was a bit old school. This guy had some new tools in his belt that Matt didn't have. I was like, thank you, God. But it took Andy six months to start looking for someone. He spent six months chasing his tail, wondering what he was going to do. Maybe he closes his business. Like, he can't do it without that skill set. So, But eight months God prepared for him so that he knew he was valued and loved and significant. He knew he wasn't being rejected. And yet it wasn't going to stay the way he wanted it to be. This is a beautiful covenant that we're coming under. It's not my plan, it's not my design, it's not my idea. What also happened in March the following year was Cyclone Winston, which I didn't know in November when I resigned. When I resigned, I didn't know that Cyclone Winston was coming. I didn't know that Pastor Mark was going to be in Fiji at the time. I didn't know he was going to start a project up to, to, to rebuild houses in Fiji. I didn't know he was going to resign from Catalyst and say, so I'm going to focus on that. 
I didn't know that I was going to be the pastor eight months after I resigned. I don't say this to, to gloat or be proud or to say I'm better than anyone because I did nothing in this other than come under the new covenant. That's all I did. I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I didn't write the rules. I, wasn't, I, 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 was, just, I was just following a, a couple of instructions that I was given by the Spirit. Like I did nothing in this picture, but I received and handed on what I was given. That's all that I did. And I still catch up with Andy occasionally. See how things are going. But my point is, this new covenant is phenomenal and exciting. And that's just one story. I could, I could spend the rest of the day telling you stories of what life in the new covenant looks like. And I would, I would really, really hope that you can do that too. I would really hope that you can tell stories of what it means to live an abundant free life because you're not shackled to a system that is flawed. You're not bound by a, by a, a set of rules. I'm not suggesting we don't follow the law, by the way. Can we just put that as an asterisk in there? We're, we're not shackled by those things that define who we are and how we function and what we think and what our hearts pursue. We come under a completely new covenant. I want us to believe this new covenant. I want us to walk in this new covenant. And I want us to put our friends and families out of their misery. And I don't say that likely or condemning because our society knows no better. They are operating with the best that they know. They are doing their best, but they're doing their best in ignorance. I'm not saying they're dumb or stupid. There's very, very, very thoughtful, considerate people who are trying to make the world a better place. They sometimes put us to shame, I've got to be honest, because they, they sometimes reflect what looks like the new covenant better than we reflect what looks like the new covenant. But they're still in this rat race cycle that is unattainable and unachievable outside of this covenant because it's written by men and women and it's executed by people and it's failed by people and then rewritten by people. It's unachievable. We have such, we've been given, we haven't earned we haven't deserved, we haven't, can't claim that we came up with this idea. But we've got such a better way. Let's live it, let's model it, let's demonstrate it, and let's share it. Lord God, we acknowledge that we're weak. We acknowledge that we desperately need you. That you are our only hope. And I thank you and I praise you and I worship you for this new covenant that you have offered all mankind. 
Lord, I pray that your spirit would right now just smash any fear that's in this place. Lord, smash any self-doubt that the words won't come. Smash any, smash any fears, Lord, over, over being looking like a goose right now, Lord God. Because I believe you have paved a way that's more than that, that's better than that, that's so much fuller and more abundant than that. But Lord, I pray you don't stop there, but I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would replace that. I pray that you would replace that with words of excitement, words, of, words that, that, um, that reflect how amazing your covenant is. Lord, for people who, who struggle to, to, to find words, which we all do, Lord God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts and their spirit right now, that they would go, oh yeah, that, that's a great idea. Thank you, Lord. And that we would be people that speak, that testify, that declare the goodness of God, the grace and mercy of living under the new covenant. In Jesus' name, amen.